in a barn, we have pigs that are going to be high-performing pigs and they are going to require a lot of nutrients to grow. And then we have other pigs that, for whatever reason, because they were the last one uh, on the parity, things like that, they 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 grow a little bit slowly. They 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 don't need as as much a protein as as the other ones because they they are not able to deposit it um, at the same at the same rate. So in this way, instead of feeding a population and feeding a, a group, or in the case of some of the integration businesses that they feed all the farms that they have in a country with the same formula, what we do is feed the individual pigs. In this way, the pig that doesn't need that much uh, protein doesn't eat it in, and it doesn't scratch it. So we are saving about 40% of nitrogen excretion. In nitrogen excretion, we are reducing 40% in nitrogen excretion, and we are reducing about um, 30% uh, in protein intake. A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. Our nutrition group includes four companies, Nutrition Athena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada, Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter, Ontario, and Demeter, Quebec. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry. Swine Veterinary Partners offers a full range of animal health and production services to Canadian pork producers. We approach health management through personalized solution with concern for profitability while taking into account performance and the well-being of your animals. Welcome to SwineNet Canada. My name is John Patience and I'll be the host for today's podcast. We have uh, Bertha Lorenz, who is a PhD student at Laval University and a research assistant at Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's uh, research center in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Uh, and how are you? Uh, how are you today? Good. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> very good. Well, I'll try not to change that for the, Okay. <laughs> and uh, we're delighted to have you here because I think it's a very timely topic that you are going to be discussing. And so let's get right in it. But before we do that. Maybe uh, you could give us a background on yourself, sort of where it all started uh, in the Pyrenees, I understand, <laughs> a very beautiful part of, uh, of Spain, and, uh, and then how you got to Laval University and where you are today. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a family farm. I'm, I'm from, as you said, from the northeast northeast of Spain in in Catalonia and and my family are have been farming for generations and generations and generations and currently we are producing 
uh, growing finishing pigs, nursery pigs as well, and also growing finishing chi well, growing chicken. So I've been surrounded by monogastrics my my whole life. I it's it, going to the farm and having hands-on experience and working there and being with the animals. It's something that has captivated me since I was very young. I I would go with my dad and help him and with my grandpa and help him as well. So I think that everything, my passion for animal science kind of started there. Um, then once, I, once it was time to choose a bachelor, I, I chose agricultural engineering. And that give, gave me like... Um, a broad point of view in both animal science and plants, plant science. So I'm a, an animal nutritionist with a little bit of different background because I'm not a vet, I'm an engineer. And also I know a little bit of plant science. So it's something that has helped me a lot, especially during my, my PhD or at the beginning of my, of my PhD. And after I finished my bachelor in Universidad de Lleida um, in Catalonia as well, I went to Univers Universidad de Zaragoza to do my animal nutrition master's. And that master is formulated as a kind of um, interview or, or seminar master. And we have professors from all over the world. And one of them was Dr. Candido Pomar. Who, who is currently one of my advisors. And he, he did a, a class about modeling um, in, in pigs and modeling pig requirements and, and about precision feeding. And that kind of changed my life because it was, I think that I, it's safe to say that they were the, the best hours that I, I have been in class because I had so much fun playing with the model and understanding it and seeing what it could do and imagining it at, at the farm level and how it could change and, and uh, evolve how we are feeding our pigs, which is something that I think that I've always had the, the notion of we're doing good, but we could do better. And, and that was like a way to do better that it, it seemed very clear to me and, and it, it really opened my mind. So when that class finished, I, I went to Dr. Candido Pomar and told him if, if I, I could do my, my master thesis with them. And, and he was very happy to say yes. So we, we started working together. The only problem is that uh, COVID came and the pandemic came. So I was working from Spain, uh, doing a PhD project based in Canada. And that was a little bit of a struggle, but because it was modeling and working with life cycle assessment as well, it was good enough to, to start. And then, um, from that, um, that project raised a lot of questions in me. Some of them I still have not, have, I still haven't found the answers, but I'm very excited to try to find them. And, and then Candido um, and Dr. Aline Ramos as well invited me to, to come to Canada and do my PhD with them. You're really in a unique position because you have all that experience from your family and being on the farm and having that very hands-on experience. And now you have the opportunity to be studying in a fairly sophisticated aspect of nutrition i.e. modeling and precision feeding, mm -hmm. uh, that really puts you in a really unique position to move forward and help the pig industry of the future. 
Uh, yes, I think that knowing how things are done in real life in a commercial farm where with 4,000 pigs gives you uh, an inkling on, on how to, to manage or, or how, how to guide research to be helpful for, for producers because sometimes it feels like it can be a gap between what we are researching and, and what's really helpful. But also we, we have to know that between that the research is slow and, and it takes a long time until things are, are able to come to the farm. So yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a duality that, that we have to be mindful of and, and try to go in, in the direction that the industry needs. We, we probably should mention that you were also a research assistant at the Agriculture Agri-Food Canada Research Center at Sherbrooke. And I gather then that's where some of your research is being done. So you're kind of co-located in Quebec and in Sherbrooke. Is that correct? Yes, I, I spent my first six months of the PhD in Quebec doing my classes. And now I'm in Sherbrooke just doing my research, which I'm really loving it. Very good. Wonderful to have uh, that kind of support, right? Two institutions helping you with your work. So let's talk then first off about precision feeding. And what exactly, what exactly does that mean from a nutritional point of view? But also, what does it mean from a pork producer's point of view? So in, in nutrition feedings, from a nutrition point of view, uh, what we do is that we identify all the animals and we're able to provide all the animals in a barn or in a farm by with a, with a diet, with a a mix of feeds that uh, reaches their daily requirements, their daily necessities. So in this way, uh, we we are not only accounting for overtime variation of requirements during the growth phase, but we're also accounting for individual variation because if you go to a barn, you will have bigger pigs, smaller pigs, uh, the ones that grow faster, the ones that, gr- that grow slower. So in that, in that way, what, we are, what we're doing is feeding the individual instead of the population. And there's, uh, there's a, an amount of nutrients that we are not giving to the pig because they don't really need them. Uh, I, uh, so in this way, we are improving nutrient efficiency without contro- compromising animal performance. Right. And uh, I just did a quick calculation while you were speaking there, just to Mm -hmm. kind of put this into language that some of our audience would understand in terms of that variability. And that if we assume a coefficient of variation in pigs at approximately market weight in the range of 10%, because I can do that Mm -hmm. calculation easily, it might only be eight, but it's in that range. That means we've got a range in body weights of 25 kilos plus or minus and uh, at, at 120 kilograms market weight that's that is a very big weight range yes (laughs) you bet so you are trying to address in part that variation by feeding pigs the nutrients they require and no more so we're you're really feeding on an individual animal basis am i understanding that correctly yes it's 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 that in, in a barn we have pigs that are going to be high performing pigs and they are going to require a lot of nutrients to grow and then we have other pigs that for whatever reason because they were the last one uh on the parity things like that they they 
they grow a little bit slowly. They 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 don't need as as much protein as as the other ones because they they are not able to deposit it um, at the same at the same rate. So in this way, instead of feeding a population and feeding a, a group, or in the case of some of the integration businesses that they feed all the farms that they have in a country with the same formula, what we do is feed the individual pigs. In this way, the pig that doesn't need that much uh, protein doesn't eat it in, and it doesn't scratch it. So we are saving about 40% of nitrogen excretion. In nitrogen excretion, we are reducing 40% in nitrogen excretion, and we are reducing about um, 30% uh, in protein intake, which wow. uh, when wow. we go to a production point of view, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that's a lot of money, and that's a lot of environmental impact, or it means we don't need as much land to apply the manure onto in a sustainable manner, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And I presume you are re- reducing the phosphorus uh, excretion as well? Yes, uh, although uh, phos- phosphorus uh, excretion is not as give or take as protein, but yes, we we also have uh, an important reduction in phosphorus when we use precision feeding techniques. It's a fascinating subject, Berta, and I'd like to ask you, one question. I don't know if it's if it's it's a fair question, but mm-hmm. I've often wondered about it, and that is, oh, and but I wanted to go back and say that when you're talking about the slower growing pigs and the faster growing pigs, the slower growing pigs would get less nutrients or fewer nutrients because they don't need them. Uh, that slower growing pig is already a pig that's not as profitable for the farmer as the faster growing pigs would be, mm-hmm. and if you're overfeeding that pig then you're making it even less profitable. So what you're doing is you are optimizing the potential profit on these animals um, uh, and overcoming variations that are due to feed intake as one example. There, there would be others as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the question I have is faster pigs eat more feed and slower pigs eat less feed. What would be the or is that a fair statement? Maybe, maybe a better. I mean, uh, it it could be not not all of the like we we can have uh, high performance pigs with a very uh, low feed conversion ratio, and we can have uh, low performing pigs uh, with very big feed conversion ratio. So it's it's not always true. It can be true, but it's it's not always true. Okay, so the, what you're saying then is the correlation between... I, I would say that, that they need more nutrients. They, 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 they need more nutrients daily. They are more nutrient efficient than feed efficient. That's, that's a truer statement that okay, when, when you speak about nutrients, it's better to, than to speak about feed in this case for me. Great. That, that's a great <laughs> clarification, Bert. I appreciate that. That helps me to understand... Uh, the subject a little bit better. So when you are feeding pigs using precision methodologies, um, what nutrients are you looking at? What, what nutrients are you adjusting and what nutrients are you not adjusting? 
Right now, we are working mainly in, in protein and amino acids, um, the overall minerals, uh, the, the main minerals like calcium and phosphorus, um, and not looking at energy because we, we haven't done the research yet. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be some of the, the next steps in the team. But right now, what we are adjusting daily, so we have two diets, uh, one that is very rich in, in nutrients, in, in protein and, and in macro, macro minerals. But then the micro minerals and the vitamins are the same in the, in the two diets. And our secondary diet, um, doesn't have a lot of protein. So just so you can make an idea, our protein rich diet has, um, crystalline amino acids, but like a 20% of soybean meal. And our um, poor uh, nutrient diet barely has any soybean meal. So they are, they differ greatly in, in the protein intake. Very good. Yeah. And so then do you blend those two diets? Yes, we, 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 we use, sorry, we utilize intelligent feeders that recognize the pig, and each day the pig gets a blend of those two feeds uh, to to make the the diet that he's going to to be eating. Right, right. Um, and so, tell us then a little bit specifically about what your PhD project is, and what exactly, what aspect of precision feeding are you looking at? So first of all, uh, what I'm doing in my PhD is trying to find alternative feed ingredients to corn because uh, during my research, we found that um, that corn is, uh, or that uh, the, the CO2 emissions in, in, in pork production um, are highly related to feed ingredients and, and, the, and feed formulas. And here in Quebec, in, in Canada, uh, one of our main uh, CO2 emission producing crops is corn. And it's also the, the feed ingredients that it's more important in our diets. So uh, right now we are working on trying to, to see if byproducts or other products that we haven't thought about it so far, for example, forages, may be uh, a solution and, and the inclusion of those feed uh, ingredients, especially by the, the, the end of the growth period, they could help uh, reducing a little bit the CO2 impact, which in Canada is already quite good. I have to say that, but it could, we, could, we can always work to improve it a little bit more. Right, right. Very good. Yeah. And that, as I was listening to you, uh, Bert, I'm thinking, wow, what a, what a challenge that will be because the one thing about corn, at least now that I'm living in Iowa uh, and the, the work we've done here and many other people have done as well, corn, apart from its other advantages, is also one of the most uniform basal ingredients that we have in our diet. So, you know, the variation in energy in corn is in the range of maybe 8%. For wheat, it's maybe 12%. For barley, 15%. And field peas, 22%. So <laughs> you are you are tackling a, a uh, uh, well, first off, you're, you're tackling a holy grail of feeding pigs, right, <laughs> corn. Um, but you're also uh, trying to become more precise 
but using ingredients that may not be as uniform. So hmm. that's a that's a that's a great project to take on because that will be very very important to the industry. Yeah, and another thing that it's important to keep in mind is that the feed ingredients that we can use in in Quebec to reduce corn, they may not be the same, or they are for sure that they are not for they are for sure not the same as the ones that I would use in back in Spain because our yeah. climate, our produce, uh, our product, uh, natural product production is totally different. So we need to. I think that. Globally, the industry has the same problems in, in most of the countries, especially developed countries. They have the same burning issues. But the way um, how we solve them or which are the key ingredients in, in each case, they, they greatly differ. Because here in, in, in a North American context, I would say where the soybean is produced nationally, the corn is produced nationally, nationally the, most of the feed ingredients are nationally produced, our main problem is corn. But if you move to an European context where the, our protein source is still soybean, but it's not produced in Europe, we, we need to import it, then that's our main, uh, our main hot topic or our main problem to, to solve, to, to improve the environmental impact. So yeah. while individual precision feeding has an, um, has a small, uh, benefit when when looking at CO two emissions because feed has a huge uh, important importance here in the in the Canadian context. If you move to the European context, the the environmental benefits of just applying individual precision feedings and reducing a lot the the amount of soybean that that your pigs are consuming that is going to to change and, and the, the environmental benefits of that are going to be way bigger because of the transport associated to that feed ingredient right yeah that's um that's uh yeah that that's right so i guess it it kind of is intuitive the way you're describing it to me berta which is very well done by the way is when you uh the, the very concept of precision feeding would suggest that the solutions have to be geographically related. That what works in one location may not, or may, what might be precise in one location may not be precise in another. Uh, yes, and and also, I think that we need to look at at the whole uh, production system, and we need to be more circular about our our productions and tie the animals to the land and the land to the animals. So uh, our animals are producing a manure that. For us, it's it's a byproduct, it's a waste. But for an agricultural farmer, it's it's a huge benefit because if you utilize that correctly, your land it's it's way stronger than if you only use chemical fertilizers. So I think that um, we need to do uh, like a little bit of a step backwards and go a little bit back to the beginning where the animals and the land were were in a closer relationship. That what they currently are and look at what we have and what can we do with what we have uh, instead of how can we produce more and more and more because sometimes to reach that maximum or to reaching the maximum or the minimum feed conversion rate you are utilizing a feed ingredient that you don't have and you need to bring and that that adds a, a economical cost an environmental an environmental cost so 
what's the problem with your fee, with your pigs growing a little bit slowlier if the or needing a little bit more feed uh, if the if that feed is cheaper than than the one that you would have a, a very good feed conversion ratio so that's why i prefer to look at nutri and nutrients instead of of feed because as long as your nutrient conversion ratio is good and your and your the your nutrients are not excessively costly. Uh, you can produce pigs in a in a more sustainable way, uh, or in a more circular way than than what we are currently doing. I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. Very. Very. Very interesting. I can see why you got excited about the <laughs> uh, topic, and and modeling, of course, is something we're going to see much more of in the future than we have in the past. Now, can we just take a few minutes, uh, Berta, and talk about the environmental impact of uh, pork production and how precision feed, and you've already alluded to it a mm -hmm. number of times, but being more specific and more direct on how um, precision feeding can have a favorable um, uh, impact on uh the impact of the pig industry on the environment. Mm -hmm. So what I did on, on my last research was I compared um, a conventional three-phase feeding system where all the pigs in a barn get the same feed for 28 days. We did 28-day phases, which it's a little bit longer than what the industry is currently doing, but it, it represents it well enough. And where all the feed ingredients for that were grown in, in Quebec, Canada. And we used uh, real farm uh, performance data. And we, we modeled uh, not only our growing finishing farm, but we also modeled the nursery farm and the, um, the farrowing farm um, in a conventional scenario. Then in, a, in another treatment or the other treatment of, of our project was Everything the same up until the growing finishing farm and the growing finishing pigs, instead of being fed in a conventional three-phase feeding system, were fed, were individually uh, fed. So they, they were fed daily tailored diets, as I said, and they were much more nutrient efficient. Uh, so with that, uh, we and and then we we took it a step further, and we also. Um, accounted for the manure management. So for the emissions from the manure storage, the emissions from the farms itself, and then the emissions from the application to the land. With that, what we got was a 5% um, CO2 emission reduction when comparing individual precision feeding versus um, conventional three-phase feeding. And then uh, between 16 and 80 percent, 18 percent of reduction in acidification and eutrophication environmental impacts, which are also quite important. And and that's where we saw the the biggest benefits because we're targeting protein, as I said. But we still got a, a nice result in a nice reduction in in CO2. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And, and you've mentioned a number of times that you're looking at protein and amino acids. Mm -hmm. And so I assume that you're looking at protein because that is, um, that's going to be reflected in nitrogen emissions. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very good. 
great. Well, this has been uh, really interesting, uh, Verna. So where are you at in your PhD program now? How much? Uh, right now, I'm in my second year. I'm about to start, uh, well, about uh, in some months, I will be starting a live trial that I'm very excited for because I've yeah. been modeling for a long time. So it's always uh, exciting to get your, your hands on, on FARM. And, and I, I'm hoping that I will have some promising results to show. <laughs> Fantastic. Very good. Well, good luck to you on that. It's time for our famous three. Before we let you go, we have our three questions that we like to ask mm -hmm. of all of our guests. And so the first one is, um, do you have a favorite book or other source of information on, uh, on some aspect of pig, pig nutrition, pork production generally that you would recommend to our listeners? I, I don't know if favorite, but one that I've been opening a lot in the last four years with my master's and my, my PhD is NRC. I, I, I think that it has a, a, a very good uh, explanation of the base concepts and it, it helps you build your knowledge from, from that. So it's, it's been really helpful to, to go back to the NRC and clarify some of the concepts sometimes during my academic years. Great. Very, very good. And you might be pleased to know that the National Academy of Sciences has um, uh, seen fit that they are starting now with the development of the next edition of the NRC requirements. So that'll be very nice. And uh, Marie-Pierre uh, from mm -hmm. your part of the world is on that committee, by the way. Yep. <laughs> uh, say my next question for you then is not thinking about pig production at all, but just generally a, uh, a book of any kind, whether it's for entertainment or personal development. Do you have a, a book that you would recommend of that nature to our readers, our listeners? Uh, yes. One of the books that is closer to my heart is The Little Prince. Um, I I. I read it first when I was like 12, and since then I've been going back to it every two to three years, and every time it teaches me a, a different life lesson, so I think that it's it's a very good good book. My grandpa recommended it to me, and he recommended uh, reading it often to me, and I'm very happy of that advice. Very good, very good. Hats off to grandpa, right? And, <laughs> uh, and then the final uh, question then is, uh, do you um, can you describe what you think are the characteristics or behaviors of people in the pig world, academic world, production world, whatever, who are who are particularly successful, and what is it that has contributed to their success? I'm not sure about that, but I'm a firm believer that uh, hard work and passion and vision uh, gives you success. So uh, that's a little bit of what I plan to do. I think that I have a, a good vision and, and, and I hope that I'm a hard worker. So as long as uh, you believe in what you're working on, at least you will have personal success. Well, great. That's a, I think that's a great observation, uh, Berta. Uh, thank you very much, Berta. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you. The journey of a hero has challenges, battles, 
and villains. But after the fight is won, new paths are open, and it's time to catch our breath and move forward. More powerful and super than ever. And you, hero of the swine industry, do you have your cape ready to take new flights? Swine Talks 2023, December 6th and 7th. Together, we're more super than any obstacle.